0: Hey, podcasters! Uh, it's a great show today. We're, we're uh, talking about a lot of things. Peter King, of course, the uh, assault on the weapons ban. Uh, we kind of, uh, we kind of take that apart. Peter uh, might be wrong on that. Uh, also, the meaning that we have all lost, and perhaps why we're shooting uh, ourselves and and, and others. And Bridget Phetasy joins us. She's probably one of the most screwed up people I know, and I love her for it. Uh, but she is she is somebody who has... Uh, she's politically homeless. She just started... She was in default mode, factory settings of... Oh, yeah, I'm a progressive, because that's what my parents were. Then she started to pay attention, because she had to. We talked about that. We talked about Joe uh, Rogan. Uh, ransomware. The Bill of Rights and the Second Amendment... And we look at the rights and privileges, which I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about it this way. You don't want to miss it all on today's podcast.
1: You're listening to the best of the Glenn Beck program.
0: The assault weapons ban that Democratic leaders have been reluctant to advance despite strong support among their rank-and-file members in the House just got its first Republican backer. Yay, it's Pete King. Peter King said, these are weapons of mass slaughter. Huh. I don't see any need for them in everyday
1: society. Huh. I mean, if Pete doesn't see it, then... Uh, then it's, I think the Constitution why? says it, there's a Pete clause yeah. in the Constitution that right. anyone named Pete... She'll not
0: be infringed, except by except a guy, by named, a guy Pete. named Pete. Right? Yeah. So that's
1: why Mayor Pete is such a big candidate on the left. Right. Because he right. can step in and, and ban anything because due to the Pete clause. Right. There is no Pete clause.
0: You know what's really amazing to me. Let me, let me? let me explain the Constitution. Right now, people are saying we have to change the Constitution and take that right away. Now, what does it say in our Declaration of Independence? What is our mission statement? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal. There is no Pete clause. That all men are created equal and are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable, unchangeable rights. Among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So let me, let me take it out of the political realm. What was the story yesterday, Stu? Oh, um, the story yesterday that talked about how uh, 45, was it 45 children or 35 children? 35 children uh, have been killed in a hot car this year alone. Last year, it was like 56 people were killed in a hot car.
1: 52, and it was children.
0: 52 children. 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 What happens is the parents are so dumb, they leave their kid in a hot car. Now, your kid can die within 15 minutes. Left in a hot car, a car can go up in temperature within 10 minutes, and a, a child can die in 15. Now... We all seem to know not to do that to dogs. But our children, well they're sleeping. Yeah, and it's a hundred degrees outside, or it's ninety degrees outside, and that car is a is an oven. So what are you gonna do about it? There are more kids that die in hot cars than there were kids that were killed by guns
1: this year. Well, you're talking about mass shootings. So, I yeah, think mass it, shootings. Am, mass I, am shootings. I misunderstanding? Yeah. Because, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. The Washington <laughs> Post made up a this big profile, and they said 54 years, 165 mass shootings, 1,196 victims, and they listed them all in very tiny print to kind of give you this overwhelming yes. feeling that, like, the how the big of a problem is. Mm-hmm. Well, the, that winds up to be 22 people per year, which is a year. problem. Like, it is. It is not nothing. It's a it big is. deal. Thirty thirty five 35 children just
0: this year in a hot car. Last year, it was 52 children. That's a lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. That's way too many. No kid should die in a hot car. That's crazy. But we don't ban cars. Now, here's the here's the other thing we don't ban. We also don't tell people, you have to have a license and a background check to have a child. Why? Now, to adopt, sure. But to have a child no that is your in uh, inalienable right that power to have a child was bestowed on you with god so if your body is working the way god intended it well you can have a child and no one no one in this country would say oh well let's infringe on those rights you know, I, I want to see, before you have a child, I want to make sure that you're a good parent. I want to make sure that you're the right kind of people. You know the only people who ever infringed on that? Progressives. Progressives. It's the reason we have a blood test. Now, why do we have a blood test today? Why do we have it? Does it, I mean, do they do anything with it? What, what the hell is the blood test for? the blood test was to make sure that you weren't marrying any cousins you weren't marrying any undesirables you're not you're not gonna marry one of them useless people it was the beginning steps of eugenics to make sure that we only allow the right people to breed we don't want a country of imbeciles and idiots and quote coloreds That's why we have the blood test and the marriage license. It was an evil reason to start it. So now, what the hell are we doing? Do they have a right to do that? Do you think they have a right to tell you, hey, by the way, you can only have one child? No, because it's a God-given right. That's what the Bill of Rights means. That's what our Declaration of Independence means. That's what's different about us than any other country. We say that man is born with certain rights, and one of those rights is to defend yourself. Well, how are you going to defend yourself? What, you're going to defend yourself against the United States military? Well, yeah, it it seems to me that ISIS and Al Qaeda and everybody else was doing a pretty good job. Seems like the rebels in the Middle East are doing a pretty good job. What is it that why are they holding up flags, American flags and signs that say we need a Second Amendment in Hong Kong today? Because, yes, if that's your only, if that's the last resort, if your government has become so tyrannical, yes, I will defend myself. Against fighter jets and tanks. I will. We all will. They come and they round people up in countries because they can't defend themselves. You have a right to self defense, you have an inalienable right. Now, of course. Uh, these guns are are mass destruction weapons. Uh, okay, le- let's 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 not equate any gun to what Russia just blew up accidentally in one of their uh, one of their towns. Oops, there goes a the nuclear weapon. That's a weapon of mass destruction. A weapon of war. Any gun, any knife, any pair of hands is a weapon of war. What's happening right now is Peter King and others on the Democrat or Republican side. They don't understand the first amendment, the second amendment, any of the amendments. They don't understand them. Shall not be infringed. Infringed. Shall not be. You can't change this right. It's the only one that has that clause in it. You know, it doesn't say, hey, freedom of speech, freedom of religion. It says just says, shall not. Congress shall not do these things. This one is, no, no, no. Not only so, you shall not take these guns, You shall not even infringe on them. You can't even come close to this one. Well, you know, you're what? You're not going to ban somebody crying fire from a crowded movie theater? Well, that one doesn't say shall not be infringed, does it? This one does. And it's not that I love guns. It's that I love freedom. I love freedom what is the real cause of what's happening to us I'll get, I'll get to it here in 60 seconds stand by I want to talk to you about the real problem in our society that no one seems to want to address but it is everywhere we are in a society right now that is fundamentally changing. We are changing on many many levels. We're changing we're changing jobs. We know that things are not going to be the same. Massive companies are trying to find their way through this this change. Our towns are changing. There's no jobs in many of our small towns in America. Farming is seemingly dying in this nation. We are, we are a nation of farmers. When you lose that, you begin to lose real meaning. Our, our city skylines are so bright, we can't even see the stars and ask ourselves, Wow, who, who are we? Let alone who am I. We are being filled with meaningless junk. We're a nation of shoppers. We're all trying to fill some empty hole. There doesn't seem to be any answers. Not from the ages. No, look backward. Look backward and see if you can find any answers. No, nobody at any time had any good answers. No, it's all new answers. That doesn't make sense. Our children aren't talking to each other. We're just texting one another. We're, we're becoming animals online. There's a real problem with depression. Suicides are through the roof. What is the cause of mass shooters? Most times it's loneliness. They've been ostracized. They feel alone. They don't have any meaning in their life. They're looking just for something to make them feel, or worse, looking for something to make them famous. Because that's how empty we are. Do you know that scientists now say they're on the verge of creating a pill to make loneliness go away? What the hell, what the hell does that pill do to you? It makes you not feel lonely? Should we not be working on a pill and be maybe perhaps working on ourselves to be able to see people for who they are and where they're going and what's happening in their life? Depression is something that hits and you think it's logical. It starts someplace logical. And then it's like a snowball. And if you're prone to clinical depression at all, And we all go through periods of time in our life where this happens to us. There's a chemical reaction. You're not getting the endorphins in your brain that you need. And so what happens is it starts out logical, and then it becomes clinical. Then it becomes chemical, and you go further and further and further down until you start thinking, you know, the answer is the world's better without me, but I'm not going alone. Who's having a serious conversation about the mental health of our society? Who's having that conversation? Why do you think drugs, opioids are so out of whack right now? We're having an epidemic. It's worse than anything I think we've ever had before. And I've lived a few years. I remember how bad crack was. I remember the heroin plague. I remember all of this. This is worse because it's coming in pills and it's going everywhere. It's in the inner city. It's in the heartland. It's happening with Old people, business people, homeless people. It's happening with everybody. And it's rotting us from the inside. It's an opioid crisis. It's not an opioid crisis. It's a gun crisis. It's not a gun crisis. It's a human crisis. It's a soul crisis. It's a loneliness crisis. It's a lack of meaning crisis. It's a depression crisis. People only shoot other people when they feel there's no meaning attached to anything. I finished a book today I finished it this morning it's uh called the volunteer and it's a guy who uh was a was a polish um, resistance fighter started fighting against the Germans from the minute they got in he's just a normal ordinary guy and uh what happened to him was he he just changed. He saw a need, and he just changed. And he... He went and he volunteered to go to Auschwitz to see if he could help. And then he fought his whole life. His whole life was just hell. He was in Auschwitz for two years, then escaped. And I mean, the things that happened to him, just horrible. I want to... I want to share one thing that he wrote just before he was killed by the russians it it is our answer it's not more gun control drug control or anything else this is the best of the glenn beck program Hey, It's Glenn. And if you like what you hear on the program, you should check out Pat Gray Unleashed. His podcast is available wherever you download your favorite podcast. Bridget Phetasy. She is a comedian. She is a writer. She's really screwed up. Uh, And that's why I think I like her so much (laughs) because I can relate to her uh, so much. She joins us now. She's just written... Uh, an article for the Spectator called "The Battle Cry of the Politically Homeless." Hello, fellow traveler. How are you?
2: That's quite an intro. She's really screwed up. Well, I
0: mean, you are. Let's it's be true. let's be honest. It's yes. Uh, so, Bridget, really. just for anybody who doesn't know you, you were a writer for Playboy. Uh, you you've always considered yourself a progressive, but you're not somebody who really even thought about it. You just did your life, right?
2: Yeah. I kind of always refer to it as my factory settings. It was more, you know, it was like I was in a Google self-driving car and I just was born and raised a liberal Democrat and worked really hard and was chasing, you know, paycheck after paycheck and never really paid attention, was told that people like yourself are evil. And um, just kept moving until yeah. I came out of my coma in
0: 2013. And you came out of your You came out of your coma because you started saying things that all of a sudden were not politically correct, and you're like, "Wait a minute." Yeah,
2: the, the culture. I I mean, I think that the culture has shifted to the extremes in both directions. So perhaps a lot of people haven't moved. The culture moved around us and yes so i was not aware of this i wasn't like i was online participating in in the culture wars all of these years and i just stumbled into them and i think this is true for a lot of americans
0: and so now you write this for the spectator because <laughs> nobody is i mean you've been erased from playboy i mean that's saying <laughs> like they don't erase anything um but all of your all of your articles that you wrote for them for a long time they're all gone very popular gone Very popular um, And uh, and you've kind of been as the Chinese would say disappeared <laughs> uh, I I
2: have a bet yeah Right It's, it's interesting times Right
0: and so the people that are talking to you are people like me which you don't necessarily are you're not necessarily thrilled about You're not like oh um, thrilled What?
2: (laughs) I'm thrilled to be talking to you, Glenn. How dare you? Uh,
0: No, but I mean, you know, you never saw yourself two years ago going, you know what, I'm going to be friends with Glenn Beck.
2: (laughs) (laughs) No, I would have. I always say this because I got sober in 2013, and I, I say if you had told me in 2013 that I would have been friends with Glenn Beck, I would have been like, "What drugs are you on? And <laughs> give me more of them."
0: <laughs> so, uh, you you in this article, you talk about how um, you're just you're somebody with a brain. You have your own ideas. You might disagree with people, but you're not in a tribe, and this has got to no. stop.
2: I think, you know, I I get a lot of fair criticism on this, obviously, um, from the tribes. And I'm not so naive to think we we live in a two-party system, essentially, when people might feel this way. But then when the going gets tougher, it comes to voting day, they have to pick something. Somebody, they have to make a choice. But what, you know, I set up uh, an email for people to tell me how they felt about this. And some people say nobody's shifted politically, they just, are, they just think they might be more conservative, but the culture has shifted, which in a lot of cases is probably true. And obviously the, what I'm hearing is self-selected because I represent these people who don't feel represented, so these are the people who are writing me. Now, what is interesting are the people who have shifted politically and are in swing states. Those are the ones who are fascinating to me, like a woman wrote to me from Florida and she came center from the right because of Trump's often demonizing rhetoric. And she just doesn't like the way that he speaks. And as um, she mentioned that she just doesn't know if she can stomach voting for him, but she certainly can't get on board with the left either and i said you know i asked her what she would do and she doesn't know she my biggest fear is that people like that woman will set the election out completely
0: that won't be good
2: no that won't be good there's a lot of people who are just saying i'm this it's disgusting to me on on both sides Um, and not to be you know i think ultimately too, the other refrain that i hear over and over and over again are people who have been alienated by their the left and essentially they say Trump is a limited problem that we have to deal with what they're seeing on the left socialism and um, free speech erosion in a social way that kind of approved message that everybody needs to get on board with or be cancelled that that is more insidious and dangerous in the long term than whatever is going on in the right. So it's interesting. It's interesting. My, my inbox, and if people want to email me, they can, I am politically homeless at Gmail, feel free. I'd love to hear from anyone. So the criticism I get from the right, the most is that I'm um, of moral relativism and on the left, it's that I'm um, like a, a Martin Luther King kind of white moderate. (laughs)
0: What? <laughs> what? What is the left saying to you, white? I don't even
2: understand that. What? <laughs> that I'm like the equivalent of a good German, and and you know, like or uh, as they, I heard like a, a thousand times that um, Martin Luther King had a lot to say about white moderates, which is is ridiculous because not everybody writing me is white. <laughs> So this
0: is bad argument. We just we live in a bizarre time. Listen to this. Um, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. We all both sides have worried that our rights would be trampled by stormtroopers in the government. Right. We all thought, you know, the government's going to go fascist or communist or whatever. And, uh, you know, a bill of rights and, and they're all going to be taken by the government. But really, it is insidious the way this is happening. The government's really the government is really becoming Google, Amazon, you know, these giant corporations and the stormtroopers are just the mob. Neither one of those are covered by the Constitution. So, yeah, the the Google can isolate anyone they want. The government couldn't because of the First Amendment, but Google can and the enforcers are not coming from the government they're coming from the people
2: yeah this is this is what's deeply concerning to me is when it, it i you know on my good days i feel like that kind of cancel culture in particular, where I'm seeing it on the left and progress in progressives, nobody's pure. Nobody can pass these purity tests. Constantly, eventually, this snake will eat it. So it's like a snake eating its own tail. Eventually, it has to eat itself and maybe fizzle out. But then I see something like what happened with Sarah Silverman, for instance, last week, where she went on a podcast and she was talking about how she got she lost a movie role because of her um, because of the sketch she did in 2007, in which she was in blackface, and 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 apologized is, for in
0: like 2010
2: on her own so show and apologizing, yeah, and and it was a, I I believe it was a, it was a criticism, you know, she was making fun of racism, yeah, she was, and, and so this is the stuff that is deeply worrisome to me because we have to offer people paths to redemption, and when you're canceling people for things that they've apologized for, that they maybe have learned from, I don't know. From from the perspective of somebody who was a Democrat and looking at perhaps what the Democrats are doing going into 2020, I don't actually see how that's helpful to them. Now, you know, people on your show are like, good. They're walking right into a brick wall again, which I, I understand. But from the perspective of somebody who's, uh, I often hear that, you know, if you're in the center, all of these YouTube is creating this path to the right and there's only a path to the right. Well, that's because the far left has eroded the center left and there is no path to the left. Essentially. If you're, you, if you're a moderate even at all, you're essentially, you know, I don't, I don't even know if you're right. If you're right of Bernie, you're essentially a conservative yeah. now.
0: You're it's as bad crazy. as me. Yeah. You're as bad it's as me crazy. and I'm bad as Hitler. Yeah. Um, hang on. Um, we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Bridget Phetasy. You can find her and follow her at Twitter at Bridget uh, Phetasy and, Uh, Bridget dot com back in just a second more on the battle cry of the political homeless. Bridget, you're new to the gun world. Are you not?
2: I'm new. Sorry, I didn't.
0: You're new to the gun. You're new to the gun world, right?
2: Um, yes.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Uh, And were you just your factory default settings against guns?
2: You know, I think that when you when people ask me what um, when I started really opening my eyes to to the culture wars, it was around probably 2014, 2015, and there was I was writing for Playboy. There was yet another mass shooting, and I was emotionally reacting as is completely understandable in those situations mm-hmm. online. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I don't know anything about guns. <laughs> I don't know how to, I don't know anything about them. I don't know any, I don't know anything about the laws. I don't even know how to to hold one or load one. And, and so I realized, you know, I understandably why I would react emotionally, but perhaps I should Maybe get some information before I was spouting my I, mouth off. And I go on.
0: Can I tell you something, Bridget? That is something that no one in the media does. M- the majority of them have zero idea. I could, I'm not a gun expert. I could trap them in two questions. They have no mm-hmm. idea what they're talking about. And yet they're coming off and pontificating. And look, I'll have a reasonable gun conversation with anybody if you know mm-hmm. what you're talking about. Right. But if you're right. just if you're just making stuff up, well, an assault weapon, what's an assault weapon? What is it? Can you define it? Well, it looks spooky. I mean, well, you know, that's <laughs> you can't have a conversation. That's like trying to uh, uh, talk about if we should go back to the moon or not with a kindergartner.
2: <laughs> it's interesting because I put out a call to my listener or to my at that time following it on Twitter and I said, you know, I don't know anything about this. I'd really like to hear what you have to think about it. And I got such thoughtful, intelligent, long, written answers about people's feelings, primarily independents and conservatives, about the, um, you know, responsible gun owners in most cases. And then I started just doing my own research and um, and being that, uh, and and now I'm, you know, starting to shoot and I, I,
0: Oh, yeah. you will I mean, be it, ours.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, according to the left, I already am. Yeah, so. I, know, <laughs> I know. I know. I it's, know. It's just crazy. It's crazy because I was told that the people that I wrote about, that I, in the battle cry of the politically homeless, I was told we don't exist. You know, they're by both sides. Everyone's like, and people like you don't exist. Oh, I think
0: you're the, I think you're the majority.
2: Yeah. But again, the question is, okay, so we're confused, which, and maybe feeling morally conflicted about what to do in the upcoming election or politically conflicted, or there's one, you know, there's one thing that we believe in that will have us vote one way or another or are strongly against. And so I understand when people say they don't exist. Mm -hmm. I, I know what they're saying. That at the end of the day, people have to pull the lever and vote.
1: Yeah. Bridges it's a lot easier to just throw people in categories, though. We only have about one minute left, but I wanted to get your take on this Joe Rogan article that came out from The Atlantic.
2: Ugh, you have an hour?
1: <laughs> yes, we do, actually. What's I the mean... problem with it?
2: I just think it's an insidious attempt to undermine the very real need for men like Joe Rogan and masculinity what that his fans represent. And I know what they're doing. And also comedy. I know what pieces like this are doing because they've been kind of implying that Joe is this person who is. You know, a gateway drug to the alt right. And pieces like this Ugh. lay the groundwork very insidiously for that. And this is where I, I rage.
0: The alt right is very specific and very <laughs> small. <laughs> it's I very know. small. There's nothing about Joe Rogan that the alt right would go, I like that guy. I think he, I mean, they I might know. like him to watch him, but that's not, he is not alt right. <laughs> oh, these people.
2: I know I, it makes it. I get frustrated because I I feel like it's hard to put your finger on, but I, I I'm like I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing with this piece. It's ridiculous and it's undermining. It's like oh, why is this guy who's representative of millions of men popular? I what are you talking about? Why is that even a question?
1: Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a weird piece. I mean, it kind of it it makes it appear as if what they're saying is like, look, we're you know he he's really problematic he's giving pe- voices to these people on the oh. fringes that don't deserve voices and like that's a who are a, they to yeah. who
0: are they
1: mm. who are
0: yeah. they who decided that they could have a voice in whatever magazine or whatever they who who gave them the right to speak for everyone
2: it's so passive-aggressive, too. Just the way that it says things, I think at the end, his conclusion is, you know, I tried on Joe Rogan's masculinity. It's not for me. But that kind of insidious throwing under the bus of masculinity is, um, this is not good.
0: Okay, yeah. we'll come back. I want to talk to you a little bit more about that. And the underlying problem is, uh, I think that no one is willing to talk about. And you are in a unique position to talk about it. Bridget Phetasy. You know, there's a lot of people that are really starting to wake up. Some of them have been uh, neutral and just kind of asleep at the switch politically. Um, and that's one of the people we're talking to, who I think is incredibly brave, is Bridget Phetasy. Uh She's a uh, writer, host of the podcast Walk-Ins in, Walk Welcome. Um, but we've had uh, Jamie Kilstein. I just had a podcast with Jamie Kilstein. What last week? Now this is a guy who he, he, I mean, he was nasty to me. Had me on his resume as not <laughs> liking him, uh, and war is it a as a badge of honor? And we had a great conversation, Bridget. Just great.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep, I love Jamie.
0: And he's and it's it's people who are saying, wait a minute. Uh, Let me examine what I've done. Let me examine what I really believe, you know, Mm -hmm. Uh, and those people are going to change the world. They're just because I think that's the majority. They just need the majority just needs to see people willing to take the hits. And it's scary.
2: It is scary. And it's easier for me because I don't have kids in a school system. I don't have a, a job that's corporate where I'm dealing with H.R., I, I, when people ask me what they should do, depending on their situation, I especially um, coming from the left in particular, I, I'm usually understanding of why they have to keep their head down and be quiet.
0: I'm less so. I used to be more so. I'm less so now because it's not my country. It's not your country. It's all of our country. And you're risking just as much. I mean, you are. Uh, I'm risking...
2: I'm not risking my livelihood because this is my livelihood. So I I am understanding when,
0: you know, That's not people true.
2: have mouths to feed.
0: That's not true. I've talked to you in uh, times when you were like, I don't know what I'm going to. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know who I'm going to work for. I don't. Well,
2: know. Yeah, that is true. Right. I, and I I've,
0: I've, myself. I've risked my livelihood. <laughs> you know, I put my true. livelihood and my life in some regards, my family's. Uh, yes, on on the line. That's true. So, mm-hmm. um, so let me change subjects, because w- w- I brought up guns with you a minute ago, because uh, we're now talking about banning assault weapons, which we've already done that. It didn't work, and so it was lifted. Um, there was no statistics that show that's effective at all, period zero. But I don't think that we should be having the gun debate, quite honestly. I think this is because we're a society... That is run by politicians that want to divide us and nobody wants to actually talk about the truth. The truth is we're having more shootings and mass shootings and shootings in Chicago because there's a hole in us. We are a sick nation and a sick culture and and all of us the the drug epidemic is because there's a hole in us.
2: Mm mm-hmm. It's so complex, you know, when you really look at all of these situations, and there are many different ones that you just mentioned. It is incredibly, I'm fascinated about the psychology and the social psychology that happen, that's happening. And I do feel like there's a certain amount of I always joke on Twitter. I say, "Are you okay, America?" <laughs> yeah. You know, there it feels like collectively the entire country is careening towards some kind of rock bottom, like we're, we are.
0: So, um, uh, so I'm I'm more concerned, Bridget. Maybe you're saying this. I, I'm more concerned that. Um, so many people feel lonely, empty inside. They have deep depression. Nobody's talking mm-hmm. about the mental health of our kids or of our society. Nobody's mm-hmm. talking about this. And it's insidious.
2: Or they do. And it's it's a, in a way that um, isn't helpful. So if you're talking about mental health, it's in a way that's kind of still making it seem... I feel like I don't know anybody who doesn't have mental health issues. I have mental health issues. How, there's it's so rare to meet somebody who's just balanced and doesn't struggle with some form of anxiety or depression and and
0: Well, you live in Los Angeles or California, so <laughs> <laughs> In Texas, we're pretty stable. We're pretty stable.
2: I I do think so. Yeah, yes and yes and no. I think that a lot of it's hidden because people feel like they have to hide it. Yes. What, I, what I learned um, in writing for Playboy all those years was that men in particular, there's a lot of resources for women to kind of talk about their feelings. And it's when I would reach out and say, hey, guys, how you doing? Or ask them a question, I would get these long... Essays because they didn't really feel like they could open up to somebody, or they didn't feel like it was socially acceptable to admit that they were struggling. So there's a lot of secretiveness around struggle, feeling like you're struggling. I think people feel isolated by their own struggles because they feel like they don't want to admit that publicly because well, it will make them seem weak.
0: Yeah. They don't, they don't believe or know yet that everybody is going through something that they're hiding. Everybody mm-hmm. is going through mm-hmm. something that they're ashamed of, or they think they're alone on. And they're not, they're just, mm-hmm. they're just not alone.
2: You, I'm a huge fan of therapy. Yeah.
0: You, <laughs> you are somebody who went through, uh, an awful lot, um, your story, your life story, is amazing. And if you missed it, you can listen to uh, my podcast. Uh, just go to wherever you find podcasts and look for the one with Bridget. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, uh, I think, as well. Um, but you have a fascinating life history. But you got to a place to where you thought you you had no value. You
2: mm-hmm. right, worthless. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I hear this a lot from people all across the board. And I think what you're talking about, this, this hole that we're feeling a lot of uh, that, a lot of people are relating to that. There's this sense of meaninglessness, hopelessness, and worthlessness. And I am a huge advocate, I had to build my core, and my self esteem, basically from the ground up. And This is where I am an advocate for reaching out, asking for help and personal responsibility, because no one can give that to us. We have to go outward for help and inward to look, hold that mirror up to ourselves and truthfully look at where our weaknesses are. Where we are, you know, a lot of people will be struggling and I, I'll be talking to them and I my email is always filled with people telling me their stories. And then you find out perhaps that they're drinking too much or et cetera. So there are certain things that people can do to change their life and they, it, they're hard choices and changes to make. But the easy thing to do is sit around and whine and blame everybody. The hard thing to do is to look at ourselves and say, you know, it truly is. Changing yourself, and then, um, then change the world. Kind of changes around you just by by the very act of you taking control over what you can't control, which is is essentially your yourself.
0: Bridget, do you feel you still battle with days where you're like, I'm What's worthless? It all for? Yeah,
2: um, more so less worthlessness because i have deeply gone into i found god essentially and not to Mm. turn off all the non-believers but um, hang on just
0: a second our apologies then to fred okay go ahead
2: (laughs) 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 so i did find i do i i i think i struggle the most with nihilism and in in our culture today i feel everything's so connected we're living in this 24-hour news cycle that just wears you down as you and sue know probably better than anyone and it starts to you start to feel my biggest struggle is the nihilism and i've written about this before when i'm in that place of what's it all for that is a dangerous place for me
0: so you know it's amazing like, if you look at the millennials you see mm-hmm. that all of the, they just want to be a part of something that, of meaning and then the other mm. side of the millennials is uh, life has no meaning It's either, Mm -hmm. I mean, it is, there is this, this, that generation is yearning for something of meaning. And yet everyone, you know, in their life, generally speaking in culture is taking away everything that has meaning, you know? Uh, And so if you're not,
2: go ahead. Right. I see what you're saying. No, I just, I think that meaning and what I really had to learn, particularly getting sober is that. Meaning doesn't happen to you yes. you you make meaning you have me I volunteer with elderly people I go I volu- I work with people who are addicts I feel like being of service is a way to find meaning instead yep. of hashtag resisting online all day and expecting the meaning to come find you and this is I mean I think the biggest problem in America honestly other is a two- pronged sense of entitlement, and victim culture. And this is all across the board, left, right, and center. I see it everywhere. And when I read my grandfather's letters from World War II, the tone in which he writes is so inspiring and not whiny. And I see it even in myself. We live in just a whiny culture in general. It's the it's the air that we, we breathe and live in. And... I have to, you know, he's writing about being underway and getting bombed every day for two months and then calls himself out for self-pity. I'm like, Grandpa, you can feel sorry for yourself. You're getting bombed. Wow. And he, he's like, I know that nobody would want to feel, you know, nobody wants me to feel sorry for myself, and I'm just having a moment. And it, and we're out here like, I, you know, that's why when, when you called me brave, which thank you, I appreciate it. I think it is some of the speaking out is an act of bravery but I mean I read my grandpa's letters every day to keep me in check because that was a brave man who was fighting for something that he believed in and sure. with no self pity or victimhood at all
0: Will you do me a favor would you come yeah. back would you come back um go through your grandpa's letters and give yeah. us give us examples of his writing I will. and then come back Yeah Okay.
2: I will definitely.
0: Good, because I'm tired of listening. To you. Amazing. Maybe we'll listen to your grandfather. Maybe he had something.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I'm tired of listening. To you. Okay.
0: <laughs> Bridget, it's uh, always great to talk to you and have you on. Uh, always and, great uh, to be here. Let me know when you when you can you know compile some of your grandfather's uh, words, because I think I think that'd be great to listen to.
2: Okay. Yeah, I would love to.
0: All my best. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Bye bye. God bless. I love, love people who are open to discovering new things and people who are taking charge of themselves. Uh, she Her story is, I mean, she was a heroin addict. Uh, she was, you know, uh, raped when she was, you know, in her teens. And just, I mean, she has had one bad thing after another. Uh, So, yeah, she screwed up, but boy, she's more sane than most people I know, I think.
1: The Blaze Radio Network.
0: On demand.